Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on WebmasterRadio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on WebmasterRadio.fm, episode number 324. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media. So we both had a crazy week by the sound of things. Oh, it's been nuts, but it's fun. I'd, yeah. rather, be, I'd rather be buried than bored. True. I had yeah. that kind of busy day that I still feel like I'm recovering from yesterday. And, uh Nice. They wear you out completely, you know? Anyway, it was good. I mean, it was exciting. Lots of stuff going on. I love it. But, yep, whoa, yep. it takes a toll. <laughs> uh, and, of course, all that going on at the same time. Uh, got a number of good things to talk about in the industry happening. Um, and it's like, thank goodness for this show, or I wouldn't make the time to catch up on all this stuff yeah. this week. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it really does save my butt sometimes for sure. Um, in fact, I use a lot of what we find here. That's really interesting. I just put into our Facebook page and then I use uh, tidings to send out an email newsletter. Works perfect. Nice. Yeah. Trying to triple up all this work. Um, but the first thing I thought this week, and I was genuinely blown away was the new Google Assistant reveal duplex. Um, have you seen that video? I have not. Oh, dude. It is so impressive. It's What, what makes it impressive? Imagine asking, well, the, the example they show there is, um, in this case, it's a lady, but asking for a haircut, um, asking Google, Google to do that. So Google Assistant then calls the hair salon and sets up the appointment. And they have no idea it is a, uh, an, uh, um, Google Assistant. It sounds like a real person. All, so the, way they, down, all the way down to the, huh. That's like, so it's actually going out and doing the work of setting up the appointment for you. You just tell, you just tell Google to say, hey, I want a haircut at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Call my barber. And it does and it. The nuances were spectacular. It, it was able to answer questions, uh, go around weird questions. Um, for There's another example where they call, I guess it was a, I'm not sure it was a sushi place or something, but whoever answered obviously uh, was, you know, English was their second language. I had a hard time understanding them. Google navigated it. It was nuts. Uh. I just couldn't believe it. And, and apparently they got tons of these examples and these are real phone calls. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. Did you put it up on our community? Uh, no, I honestly, it's everywhere. I kind of figured everyone would have seen it, but we can do that. Yeah, I mean, I can't go anywhere without running into it. This shows how busy you are. You haven't seen it. Yeah, good point. <laughs> it is making the rounds. That's what happens. When your head's buried in code. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, it it's astounding. And one of the things that they're gonna do, and I thought this was really cool, is as they work. Out what little kinks I guess they have left 
because obviously they want to get this perfect before they roll it out. Because as I was saying, Chanel in the other room just a few minutes ago, they're going to want to make sure this is perfect. I mean, it's never going to be perfect, but they're going to as close as possible because people are going to be very skeptical. Um, anyway, yeah. so I'm, they, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting to see what kind of Easter eggs they put into it, especially for my Chinese uh, sushi place. <laughs> yes, there you go. Well, and in this case, um, what they're going to be using for, I think, fairly soon, that was the impression I got, was um, on holidays. If a person's Google My Business listing doesn't have the latest times and, and, and such that they're open for that day, they're going to use this system to call that business and check what the actual times are, and then they will fill it in on your Google My Business page so that it avoids a ton of, of useless phone calls. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I just, I, I, it really, I mean, I saw, you know, we've all talked about conversational, almost unbelievably good conversational um, discussion with chat bots or in this case, whatever this would be called. Um, but I didn't see that coming for another year. This so, is so, stunning. So this, so that really intrigues me because what this means is Google now can reach offline to gather data for their online results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it. How it's the hell dumb. do we optimize that? <laughs> I'm just gonna have to just sit on this and absorb it. I mean, there's so many things this could open up I, that I didn't even consider. Uh, so did, did you did you hear their example call when they or it was there an example call when they called a business to find out when they were open on holidays? No. Is it? But is you it would ask, it would be. Easy to a guess because I mean they gave some really good examples in those two phone calls, and it was a man's voice and a woman's voice. They were amazing. It was just like a person calling you. Oh man! <laughs> oh, yeah. man. and I'm not stunned easily. I was stunned. I was like, "What the?" <laughs> Very cool. Uh, this gets my my uh, my geek hackles up. Well, I just can't believe it. It's just amazing. Anyway. Um, yeah. So. What, what what other kind of I mean think think about pushing that out to the future. What other kind of information will they start be gathering start gathering offline? Period. I mean, are they going to call? Uh, there's just so many things they could do. Well, it's, just think of one thing. If they had the system working really well, they could they could technically use it to verify people's locations by pretending to be a person. Yeah. That's true. They could be sneaky as all hell with that stuff. I mean, I would if I were them. They certainly need to do, get it done. There's a lot of spam. Uh, I, yeah, like I say, it's going to take a sit down just to absorb all the different options this could open up. Um, yeah. And from an SEO perspective, yeah, I'm not there yet. <laughs> so not there yet. <laughs> uh, dear. Oh, joy. Yeah. So what's uh, next here? I saw this, but I didn't actually get a chance to read this. Well, this kind of kind of plays into it. So um, there was a question on the week. This probably should have been a Mueller file on the, the the webmaster hangout with John Mueller, where someone was talking about specifically how does AI or machine learning tie into the Panda algorithm, and and, and John was a little bit hesitant to say that it did. He says, well, it could maybe, but he wasn't sure. But what he did do is he's came out and very specifically said that they use machine learning for crawling, indexing, and ranking. Um, I'm sure they use it for lots of other things, you know, 
Google Assistant is a good example. <laughs> but uh, but if you think about it, for crawling, indexing, and ranking for us, and, and you know, I can understand crawling. They, if they use machine learning to assign crawl budget to sites, that makes sense. But what that does means that, okay, all the work that we do as SEOs to kind of really control crawl budget goes out the window. If they're using machine learning, they're going to do whatever they want. Um, indexing, um, John Mueller didn't go get clear on that. And Barry Schwartz, who wrote the article, says, I'm not really sure how they would use it for indexing, but obviously they are. And we all know about the ranking, understanding questions and all that stuff. My real thought was, because as they were writing this article and as, as John Mueller was talking, nobody ever mentioned AI. It's all machine learning. And I think there's a lot of confusion in our space about what's the difference between machine learning and AI and how it's used at Google. And my personal view is that we still don't have AI. I'm, I'm like the the uh, the foundation series Asimov. That's AI when those when those robots can think and 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 just have conversations and talk. Machine learning is where we're at now. We're not really at AI yet. Um, I don't think there's ever been, has there been a computer that passed the Turing test. I don't think so. That's well, just, the Turing- just listen to the Google Assistant reveal and tell me how close we are. It's freaky. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not it's not about the presentation of data it's about the formulation of information and data that's what ai is yeah. right well, if this computer can actually think and learn um and i can't remember what the the, the turing test has a very specific um qualification well, you, yeah it's it's when you can't tell the difference between who you're talking to and a and a human is the turing test hmm you can ask questions and, and and everything, and there's no way to know. Right. But but I think it's important for us to understand when we're talking about this stuff in the SEO space, what we're really talking about primarily is machine learning, and the the the, the computers learn automatically, which is not necessarily AI. It's machine learning, and they learn how to do things tied to crawling and indexing and ranking and those things that John was talking about. And they learn it, and they they, they end up doing it better than we can do it as SEOs or humans in general, right? Okay. Uh, that's okay, the goal. Okay, this is awesome. So first of all, uh, officially, the Turing test is, uh, and this is a quote from good old Wikipedia, a test of a machine's ability to exhibit intelligent behavior equivalent to or indistinguishable from that of a human. Now, one of the comments I see in the top stories is from Engadget saying, pretty sure Google's new talking AI just beat the Turing test. It is that good. It is unbelievable. Interesting. (laughs) Now, I don't think that qualifies, although it did react brilliantly to that um, non-English speaker in ways I didn't even conceive possible without artificial intelligence. So what happens if they take this this communication aspect of the new Google assistant that blows your mind and they combine it with the, the piece of the machine that, that, that beat that player. What's the game with the, the black and white dots? Um, go, uh, yeah, go, right? yeah. go. So if that machine was playing go and, and, you know, talking to the other player, the way the Google assistant talks, you know, you know, maybe doing some smack talking or just kind of conversational while it was playing that game, that to me, would be, I don't even know how to describe what that would be. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, you're going to love it. I mean, I just can't, I wish I could be there when you listen to it or watch it. It's so cool. Uh, I want to watch it again. I just I watched it twice already and I'm just in awe. 
As soon as we're done recording, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a good post, actually, I'll send it to you now, from digit.in. Um, and it talks about, uh, did Google Assistant pass a Turing test? Uh, and it just talks about some of the technology behind Google Duplex. And uh, yeah. it's inter- so far, it looks interesting. I'm skimming it, though. All right. Um, yeah. Of course, a lot of it's just, uh, and I'm afraid this is quite common on the Indian sites, it's a lot of it's kind of clickbait, but uh, seems like just a few things in here of interest. So. Anyway, uh, yeah, very cool. Um, <laughs> crawling, indexing, and ranking. Yeah, I mean, there's so much that we can't, I bet, can't even guess that Google could be doing. I mean, just showing this made me just part of the awe was that they were so far ahead of where we thought they were. Right. I mean, I've always kind of hoped they were, but to hear it was nothing like I'd expected. <laughs> Anyway. So when when is Google Assistant going to have a conversation with you as the user like that, right? Is that because right now calling up somebody and having that conversation is pretty impressive, but I want that when I'm talking to it. I want it to be conversational. I I don't see why it won't be if it's got this. I I, mm. I don't I don't know how it wouldn't be. I mean, it's certainly only a step away if they can do it through a phone call. Right. I mean, it was. It understood the nuances of the conversation, like in a way that just is is so inherently human. It was startling. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like if you if you ask Google if your 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 local pizza place is is open late on Friday and it doesn't know, it can just call and ask instead of going to the web to find try to find the answer. Yeah. One moment, I'll check. <laughs> I'll call yeah. you back. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and then you know it'll start to understand what your shopping behaviors are, and it'll say, "Hey, there's a new deal I just noticed for you. Um, it's exactly to the tail the size you like, just like that one you saw at um, Nordstrom's or whatever." Yeah. I mean, it's creepy <laughs> and so cool too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually wrote an article for um, the uh, Amex forums they wanted uh, they were calling for sort of passionate futurists to write something and it was about what ai is going to be doing for business in the future now and, and now and in the future and part of that was that uh, talking about that that online to offline experience is going to be so common so so you just completely added a bunch of work for me to do at the beginning of next week. You know that, right? So <laughs> I, I have a presentation I'm doing at the Cleveland Web Association next week on artificial intelligence and search. And it just changed the whole damn thing. <laughs> well, it's certainly going to make it more interesting. And it's going to make everyone yeah. more interested in that that speech, which is good, too, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna, I mean I'm gonna... you might let them down and all, but still. <laughs> and, I, and I might not. <laughs> I am going to be playing a video. It sounds like. <laughs> yes, you sure will. Yeah, everyone will probably have seen it, but it's always a good reminder. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm actually speaking at um, Inventures, the thing we were talking about. I am doing something on oh, nice. uh, the future of marketing, so that'll be very cool. And I'll be talking about this inevitably, and that's in yeah, June. Kind of have to. Yeah. Wow. Fun stuff. Um, yep. We're totally geeking out today, and I don't care. This <laughs> is cool. Okay, on that note, let's let's take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, there's some <laughs> thing about Google rankings and ugly or difficult to use sites. Love it. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. 
AM Days 2018 comes to Las Vegas, May 16th and 17th. Register now at amdays.com. Make the most of your performance marketing with help from some of the most iconic brands, including Microsoft, Capital One, Uber, Backcountry, and many more. AM Days 2018 brings together a powerhouse of industry leaders and dealmakers to network and share insights on the latest practices and cutting-edge updates in performance marketing and more. Make plans to be in Las Vegas for our landmark 10th event. AM Days 2018 Las Vegas, May 16th and 17th. Webmaster Radio listeners can save 20% on two-day and combo passes using promo code WMR20. Register now at amdays.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network. Through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, we can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Email sales at webmasterradio.fm today and get your message delivered now. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. So, <laughs> ugly or difficult to use sites. I love it. Yeah, it's, it, was, it was another one of those things that, again, could be a Mueller file that John was talking on on his uh, weekly Webmaster Hangout. And someone was asking about, you know, how does that impact the, the rankings if, if your site is ugly or really hard to use? Because Google is really all about, you know, an easy to use, quick, fast web. So they, it was actually a pretty good question. Do you guys penalize or does an ugly or difficult to use site have any impact on rankings? And John was very, very political about his answer. <laughs> and he's he getting said, the hang of it. <laughs> yeah. He said, not directly, um, but he says it could have a basically the effect of having an ugly or difficult to use site over time could mean that people aren't using the site or sharing the site or talking about the site as much because it's not a very good site. And what was the word he used? Uh, it could have a, uh, let me think, if it was hard, something you, or like indirect effects is what he called it. Okay. So an indirect effect of it being ugly or hard to use is that people won't be sharing it. People won't be um, using it as much and it's not going to build up enough authority over time. And that will indirectly impact its rankings. Um, and, and I can, I can agree with that. So uh, I think that makes a ton of sense. I don't, I don't know if they actually would have something specific about being ugly, but I could see them having something specific in the algorithms about, you know, <laughs> difficult to use, right? User friendliness. It should be an ugly stamp. 
Yeah. Stamp. I've been trying I've been <laughs> wanting for years to do an April Fool's SEO joke, but but years ago those April Fool SEO jokes kind of got on my nerves, so I didn't. But I wanted to do one called Google announces sympathy rank for ugly sites. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta do that. First yeah. our our savvy listeners won't have a won't be taken by it, but everyone else will. Yes. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting to, to, to just kind of touch base on that. It, you know, we we talk about everything we need to do from a standpoint of, of technical SEO and content focusing, but really design can have an indirect effect over time on your site. If it's a bad or hard to use site, but everything else is perfect, you may not build up the authority you would build up if it was a really good, popular, easy to use site. And there's a few traps there for them, too. I mean, if you mentioned, well, you know, if they go to the site and come right back, that's a good indicator. You know, anything that could back things up that a lot of us believe are 100 percent sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, that whole interactions. Well, you know, Google Analytics, Analytics told us, oh, I would love for him to say that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. But it won't happen. Uh, for listeners out there, that, the reason I like that idea is because uh, Google claims that Google Analytics is not doesn't have any user metrics that they use in ranking. Um, and we have to take them at their word. Mm-hmm. They also say they don't use sentiment, but I'd be like shocked if they didn't use sentiment at some point for some things. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, obviously they're, they're, they're way ahead of the game and doing some pretty interesting things. They could change the entire board on us overnight with the, the amount of technology they're running in that company now. Yep. That's scary. Okay. Yeah, very, very scary. Uh, anyway, uh, Google is sending mobile-first indexing enabled notices to via Google Search Console. Uh, and the quote that you have here is, this means that you may see more traffic in your logs from Googlebot's smartphone. You may also see that snippets in Google Search results are now generated from the mobile version of your content. Dun, yeah, dun, I thought, yeah, I thought that that's the first first paragraph of the notice they send out. And I thought it was really interesting. Um, it makes sense. You know, Google smartphone is now going to be the primary bot, most likely on uh, Googlebot smartphone. Um, and if you've got some kind of issue with your snippets, remember now they're coming from the mobile version. So, you know, if you don't have responsive and you have different versions of your website, make sure you remember that when you're trying to diagnose any kind of snippet issues you're having. Indeed. Uh, snippets. Not my favorite thing to work on. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Maybe Google will call you and ask you, you know, what do you want your snippet to be? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, do that. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, though, be, that someone's going to come up with some really clever question that Google can't answer, and that'll be your way to verify that you're talking to a human or not. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. Like a, the, the Google wanna- Assistant... I want to ask it when its birthday is. Yes. See how I just say, no, I'm actually calling. Just totally try and redirect everything. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Um, So another uh, one I thought was interesting. It was basic, but there's an article in Search Engine Lang called Common Mistakes and Quick Fixes to Improve Pokey Page Speed. Um, Who uses this word pokey? Anyway, um, It's uh, it's done by uh, Janet Driscoll Miller, and it's uh, it's a good article. It's got some good points, I think, for anyone who's got some page speed issues. Um, the one I thought was definitely worthwhile um, noting, and it's not something you hear a lot of. We all hear about image size and stuff, but this one's interesting. Is um, in the example she provides, 
um, a website uses this great piece of JavaScript to help with bookings on an Outlook calendar. But it's only on one page. However, the way it's been implemented, that JavaScript is loading on all of the pages when it's only really being used on one of them and is totally unnecessary in the other ones. And that's very common. It's a good lot point. Of, yeah, a lot of optimizations where I've seen code that is unnecessary and really only acts on one page. And if you can remove them from the others, well, it's going to speed things up. She also mentions third-party websites um, and third-party um, uh, plugins and such. You know, lowering the, the incidence of those is a good thing because you can't control the speed of yep. their servers delivering that content. So so in your mind, what's your target page speed? How many seconds does should it take for a page to load? Well, I just get as low as I can. The best one I have right now is about 1.5 seconds or 1.2. Yeah. I, I took a cue, excuse me, from um, Alan. Alan, uh, he says My his target. Yeah, yeah. I can never pronounce his last name, so I just call him Alan. <laughs> <laughs> there's only but one Alan. There's only one Alan that matters in this space. Um, <laughs> but his target page speed is two seconds or less. And that makes a ton of sense to me, at least in today's world. I remember when three seconds was death. You had to you had to load in like a second because bandwidth and high-speed internet really just didn't exist at the time. So it was really, you had to have a super, super clean pages. Um, but under two seconds to me is that's kind of what I shoot for at this point. And I don't see it very often. It's hard no. to get, it's very hard to get there. I would say 5% of my clients can get there. Yeah. And sadly, I mean, it's so many of the sites were designed that way. There's just too many alterations that would be required to get that done. And I have to admit, I only know to a certain degree what it would take. I mean, you have to be a, quite the developer slash SEO to really know all the details on that. And there's some great SEOs oh, yeah. that are like that, but I'm not. I, <laughs> I don't have that, that those developer chops to do that. I've got the basics, but not developer. Yeah, and a lot of it is, and a lot of it goes back to those third-party sites because there's so many websites rely on pulling either visuals or pixels to detract things from other sites that count in those loadings and you really like you said you have no control over how fast that stuff comes in from those third-party sites no you don't okay well let's uh, take a quick break we come back we've got one more piece of news and then some community questions seo 101 will be back right after recess Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the 2018 International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. Deadline for entries is May 31st, 2018. 
go to www.webaward.org and sign up today. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. All right, what's up here? I haven't seen this. Yeah, this kind of fits into what we were just talking about, actually, a little bit. Google has updated their image search update... Uh, Guidelines. <laughs> That's what I get for trying to talk and read at the same time. Uh, <laughs> so the image search guidelines have been updated, and it kind of talks very specifically about usage of structured data, um, speed in particularly, and a lot of other stuff. I just think it's important for our, our listeners to know that you know this has been updated, and they made some major changes a couple months ago tied to image search, where they got rid of search by images and, and a number of other things. Um, and if you want to leverage image search you need to check out the new guidelines to understand the best way to do that yeah it's a small article from barry just noting it that their guidelines are updated uh i'll just quote one of his paragraphs it says the new guidelines have updated content around creating a better user experience with your images including adding good text context optimizing placement embedding tips device friendly sites and good URL structure for your images. In addition, Google has explained how the image titles work since the change, unquote. So that's important stuff. I'm going to read it. That's for yep. sure. I actually had the same issue come up just a couple of weeks ago. Someone who was very intensely um, focused on imagery was asking me about all this. And I, I have to admit, I, I was like, mm, I haven't looked in that in a while. <laughs> yeah. Do a little well, here you go. Let's, <laughs> we'll post this up on the community as well. I don't think it's up there yet. Yes, yes, good idea. All right, so we got a question here from Mark Taylor, our, our friendly moderator of the forum, uh, the Google community. He says, Google Search Console has a functionality, fetch as Google, to allow webmasters to encourage Google to index a page, or brackets, request indexing. It has two options, desktop and mobile, smartphone. Sorry, desktop and mobile smartphone. In light of the mobile-first indexing and responsive websites, is it necessary to do both of these options or just one? And if so, which one? <laughs> Very good question. Yep. Uh, so let's take the first part first, because I think that section where he talks about the functionality of fetches Google to allow webmasters to encourage Google to index a page. I think that's a little bit of a misstatement because that's not really what that tool's for. However, the SEO community has adopted it as we're going to get this page indexed by doing fetches Google in Search Console, right? But the, originally the tool was to make sure that they were crawling the page and getting the information correctly because they display it for you. It's not designed specifically to allow you to get a page indexed. It's to allow you to, it's there to show you how the page is in being indexed, 
right? And, yeah. and it wasn't too long ago where Google just kind of changed the functionality of that tool because it was being abused. SEOs were going in and you know just doing as much as they possibly can to get pages indexed. And now they've put limitations on how, how much you can use it over a period of time. So just to be clear, that's not what this tool is designed for, but people do use it for that. Now, I think if that makes sense, I'll, we can go to the second part. <laughs> Yeah, and and I think that's why um, uh, you. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's why they've got desktop and mobile smartphone. Um, it's so you can see how it looks on either one. Yep. Um, uh, that's really the the reason for it. So you can choose either one, Mark. Uh, they're both going to give you what you need to know in terms of how it looks to Google. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's also going to ensure that it's indexed. But uh, that's just a side benefit. Yeah. Yeah, but if you are having problems getting a page index, this is one of the ways to try to get it. I personally think in light of what we just read up there um, tied to the announcements when people are being put in uh, mobile first, that the, the mobile smartphone is the one I would start with um, for sure. If, if if your goal is to try to get a page index because you're having problems, I would start with the mobile um, smartphone version. Cool. All right. What's the next question? Oh, yeah. From Carl Bush. What is everyone's thoughts on sitemaps? I was reading a thread in the subreddit SEO, and there were about 10 different people saying that sitemaps are only necessary for large sites or sites that do not display all the pages somewhere in the menu. Am I wasting my time creating a sitemap and an image sitemap? I assumed it was important to help Google understand the structure of your site. Okay, so my first reaction to that is it's depends on how big your site is. I mean, if you've got a tiny site. Well, I, well the, the first <laughs> reaction to me is which version of sitemaps is he talking about? I'm assuming he's talking about an HTML sitemap versus versus an XML sitemap, right? Oh, I thought he was talking about XML. See, I'm not sure which one he's talking about. I was thinking HTML. But there's not usually an image HTML sitemap. That's true, too. Yeah, so I think he's talking XML. And if it's XML, again... Um, Many sites or many systems do it anyway. I mean, if you got Yoast installed on WordPress, it's done. Um, mm-hmm. it, although the image sitemap, I don't believe is. Uh, no, I don't think that is done. Yeah. Shows how often I'm in there these days. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's, yeah. Yoast changes very frequently. So who knows? It could come up anytime now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It could be there. Maybe it's a setting that I've missed. Again, um, Scott does a uh, friendly neighborhood, Scott Van Ack, who comes on the show once in a while, does most of the hands on these days. I'm deeply in sales and research. So I don't do a lot of that hands on now. But I don't think it does image sitemaps by default. However, that aside, um, Unless you have a, a fairly large site or you have some concerns over the priority, and again, it's only suggestion to Google, but if you have a concern over the priority of pages being indexed, you can try to influence using a sitemap. Um, but I think it's really only necessary and it's helpful when it's a large site. And remember, I think you can still break them down and see which how well they're indexed, right? Because that was one of the tricks you and I've talked about before. Yeah, and I think one of the reason one of the other reasons to have an XML sitemap because when you submit it to Search Console, Search Console will come back and give you a list of how many of those pages on your sitemap are indexed and how many are not, and if there's any errors. And sometimes it'll tell you why it wasn't indexed. So that's not information you're not going to get unless you've submitted a sitemap into Search Console. Good point. Yeah, and, and that's part of what I was saying there too. And because remember, if you get a large site, breaking them down into separate sitemaps for separate sections will give you more detail. Yep. So I believe there's only a limit to how much they tell you. 
Yeah, and I think the limit to number of pages you can have in a sitemap is 50,000 pages. Um, if you've got more than that, you need multiple sitemaps and a sitemap index XML yeah. file. Yeah, and again, if, if you've got a, a site with many subsections and it's only 40,000 pages, it's still maybe better for you to break them into multiple sitemaps so that you can easier track issues and it's not so unwieldy. Yeah, uh, for sure. Anyway, I hope that helps, Carl. Uh, it's uh, some great questions from Mark and Carl. Thank you. And please do send along what you can. If you think of anything you want to ask, it's always fun. It's sometimes some nice uh, fodder for our, our show. So <laughs> it helps us out, right? Uh, anyway, uh, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Step Forth Web Marketing, and my – and uh, darn it. I almost said it. Scott Vanek. I've got my all my scripts all screwed up here. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, and – my co-host, John Carcutt, thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Google Plus community page, easily found by searching SEO 101 Podcast on Google. Have a great week, and remember to tune into future episodes, which air at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody. And hey, Google Assistant, if you're listening, call me. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.